everybody. Welcome to another episode of our podcast where we ask the question. Hey. Hey. Remember the arts? I do. Tom does. This was 10 years ago now. No, 11 years ago now. And I do. I'm Courtney. And I'm Thomas. And we're going to talk about everything from the 2000s, from frosted lip gloss to spiky hair gel. And that could be a number of trends. Spiky hair was a very odd thing. You know what I realized was that, like, that early 2000s punk of, like, early some 41 that was, like, spiky hair gel, a striped sweater, and, like, khaki pants. Oh, yeah. It was a pop-punk, new metal thing. Like, it was very much of the early 2000s. Yeah, it was, like, normcore, but with spiky hair gel. And then, like, in the later half of the aughts, spiky hair was the Guido haircut, like, Jersey Shore. Yeah. Exactly. But my thing, I remembered my thing. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah, I wanted to talk about from the time Phil DeFranco was SXE Phil. Oh, yeah. And then equals three, Ray William Johnson, who remembers that biggest channel on YouTube for like a year, maybe. I forgot about Ray William Johnson. Equals three, baby. We what are going to talk about early YouTube today, so that example is perfect. Exactly. Today we're going to talk about OK Go's music video, Here It Goes Again. I insert the music video here. All right, so Courtney, this was actually your suggestion. Yes. And I um, like it because it is... A lighter topic, but an interesting one and an important one for the history of YouTube. So, would you care to talk a little bit about the song? Because I think, obviously, I like the song, but I know you're a much bigger fan of OK Go. I'm a big fan of OK Go. I've mentioned that before. Um, I, I didn't plan on being a big fan of OK Go, even when I did like them early on. But as they continued to make videos and make music, I realized that there was a lot more there than is seen at first glance as seen at first youtube like flash image um so ok go is a band that got their start back in chicago um the lead singer damien and the bassist tim met in camp when they were 11 years old ah okay They went to Chicago together for college, and that's where they started building a band. And Damien Kulash actually went to Brown University. He's an Ivy League boy, and he actually, in his spare time, writes a lot for New York Times and other... Really? um, Yeah, he writes a lot about... um, He writes a lot about piracy or copywriting in the music industry and how he feels that... Uh, withholding music over the internet isn't fair to the fan base. Hmm. So he's actually a really big advocate for releasing music for fans, um, which is probably why they didn't have a lot of financial success to begin with. But they started out pretty early on just being a like pretty typical 2000s pop punk alt band. And they also had their song as the theme for the original Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Really? I didn't know that. 
Yeah, uh, I didn't know it either until I went to go see them for the first time with somebody you and I both don't talk to anymore. Oh, I, I know. Yeah, and then that's when I found out You're So Damn Hot was actually the theme song to Queer Eye. Oh, wow. And um, then they start developing their own sense of what they want to do with their music videos. They release A Million Ways. And um, then they come out with their second single for their second album, Oh No. And it is Here It Goes Again. Here it goes, here it goes, here it goes again. Here it goes again. Now, oh, here it goes again. Yeah. You did a brilliant you did a brilliant quick sum up about the band and i appreciate cool. that you did because i don't think i'd be able to get it across that effectively i want to talk a little bit about how their like music had changed for the third album but yeah and that's the one that i really fell in love with but i feel like that's you know that's like jumping the gun a little bit first so let's talk yeah. about this music video and then we can talk about how their sound changed afterwards well what's interesting is you even mentioned the song the the song the hit before this one um mm -hmm. a million ways and if people don't i mean i'm sure people remember because when this video came out on youtube which it debuted in it debuted 2006 2006 july 31st mm -hmm. of 2006 which interestingly was only a few months before Google would acquire YouTube and oh okay yeah and this would be considered one of the earliest viral hits that took off which helped in their fame I would argue and then because before this song hit YouTube they released a million ways on a little website called iFilm mm -hmm. which that only garnered I mean only but like back then it garnered what 300 thousand views on this other website yes which, which back then is still a substantial number but like there's an interesting note to be had that that didn't go viral like right. this so, did so the thing about a million ways was that was my introduction to this band and then i started hearing their older stuff like get over it invincible which are both songs that i really love but a million ways i also associate with the or at least my introduction to myspace because at the time, I don't even think this was when having a music play in your profile was as prevalent. So when I started MySpace, my best friend sent me a coding site for adding a music video <laughs> into your page. Yay. And the first one that I did was A Million Ways by OK Go. I remember the first song I embedded in my MySpace page was Wings of a Butterfly by him. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. And I know that I knew no. that was going to make you cringe. I knew that was going to make you cringe. Yeah. <laughs> but also, I think my second video after this one was um, Neighborhood Number 3 by Arcade Fire, which is okay. cringy of the aughts in a different way. In a different way. In a different Listen, way. I love my cringy vampire love shit. It's why Twilight was fun and and the host was not. I'm so surprised that you love, like, cringy odds vampire stuff, but you didn't get into She Wants Revenge. I will, I have to still get into it. Okay, I'm actually, I, I never mentioned this when we were doing the Twilight movies, but I feel like they were always missing the edginess that, like, She Wants Revenge always had in their music, because they were very sad, lovelorn vampire music with synth beats but then they Holy were never shit. on Twilight albums. Oh yeah. my god, I'm looking at images of them right now. 
Okay, cool, cool, cool. Oh, I know I'm gonna love this stupid gothy shit. I don't mean to Joaquin call it stupid. Joaquin Phoenix directed mean... a lot of their music videos. Ooh. Yeah. This is amazing. They're pretty good. I still stand by She Wants Revenge. I think their third album gets really, really bad. But the first two albums are vampire goodness. Excellent. Okay. But so, yeah, that was sort of my introduction to MySpace was actually very tied to OK Go, which is funny because I think that they were getting to this point in their career very early on where they wanted to create an image and be aware of music distribution on the internet. At this point, in a million ways, they've kind of coordinated their suits. They have this idea of a one-take video where they do something unique and captivating. But because it's so quirky, it's still not mainstream enough. Like Here It Goes Again comes out to be. Well, it's weird because the actual quality of Here It Goes, like the video production, the four, you know, four by three aspect ratio, low resolution, simple one take, that is still fairly not, you know, it's still... I mean, what makes it work is its virality. That's where it takes off and becomes this established piece of pop culture like it's mm-hmm. i didn't realize just how referenced this was like i've always know. N- known of the references but like when you look into it, you're like wow this is referenced everywhere for like 10 years yes and the like, funny thing is is that it was so big at the time mm-hmm. but because of how much things had shifted from then it easily became forgotten just a couple years later and they even performed the dance routine at the mtv music awards by then everyone was already kind of sick of it that's fair yeah like by the time they became so mainstream that they were just there to perform it it was already done yeah so mm-hmm. i wanted to come in if you if it's cool and i wanted to ask the question what made this viral mm. And by doing that, I wanted to talk a little bit, if you're okay with it, a little bit of the history of YouTube. Go for it. So, YouTube. YouTube was started in 2005 by three former PayPal employees, Chad, Steve, and Jared. I don't, I don't know if I'm saying his name right. I, uh-huh. I know, but whatever. And it's interesting because this, we had, we even talked before the show that. There were already some forms of video distribution websites that Vimeo was founded in 2004. Mm-hmm. And at this time, like me being a dumb kid on the internet, I was already exploring like E-bombs World, Newgrounds, like places that had embedded video players. Right. But what didn't necessarily work is that I was a nerd into these sort of things. The ability to share and user accessibility of these websites did not really, were not you know, user friendly. Mm-hmm. And specifically, I think that was a thing that these guys even found because I think who was it? It was Kareem. Uh, Jawed Kareem. He said one of the inspirations for YouTube was he was trying to find the <laughs> a video on the internet of the Janet Jackson incident at the Super Bowl. Oh boy. And he said there was no way to easily find it and then share it. So the idea of what about a user accessible website where videos can be easily viewed and shared was already like a seed in their mind. But interestingly Mm -hmm. enough, the first thing they do when they come together, these three men, 
and think of a website where they can host videos. Their first idea was a website called TuneIn, and it was a dating service. Oh, gosh. Yeah, YouTube's first iteration was a dating service where you can upload videos of yourself to present. It's kind of a good idea, but it didn't necessarily do very well. I think what I remember from the beginning of YouTube, and I don't mean this as like back in the day when I first started on YouTube, I just mean I, like recently I found out just passing the 15th anniversary of YouTube being created um, that actually to sort of fill up the blank space on YouTube, the creators just added a bunch of videos doing menial stuff mm -hmm. just to fill yep. up the space on the website. The first ever video to be uploaded to YouTube was one of the founders, Jawed Kareem, at the zoo. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, right. I'm at the he's zoo. Talking about the animals, right? Yeah. All right, so here we are in front of the uh, elephants. And the cool thing about these guys is that, is that they have really, really, really long um, fronts. And that's, that's cool. And that's pretty much all there is to say. And it, it, there was an initial struggle. Like, there was a very big concern. Like, will this work? Will it take off? Because okay. it's so fascinating to think, like, you know, we have so many streaming services. And they have their own merits and, you know, power. But really, the idea of, like, streaming video, I think YouTube plays such a significant hand in that. Mm -hmm. by the fact that it was one user accessible and two like the amount of memory and you know bandwidth to have a video sharing platform that people can just upload their own videos to was such a new idea like i think that's what separates it one from other websites like you could go to websites with embedded videos but you could not necessarily upload those videos like it wasn't a user-friendly right. generated experience that was also easy to share like how revolutionary like we take it for granted now but think about it just you go to a youtube page and you copy the link and you share it and anyone right. can open it anywhere and the thing was all of a sudden you know with myspace developing and these new forms of internet sharing you wanted to share videos with people so it became a space where you could upload your personal videos and go send them to somebody and then they were able to watch it back then that was very difficult to do and this is also where we get the idea of a viral video because this is still like the pre-early internet age the quality of video was really low and usually mm -hmm. the length was very short so essentially things that would take off would be these weird out of place quirky videos that just catch your attention and go huh or make right. you go lull or make you do a number of different things and that's when i think you look at early YouTube and it was mostly viral videos and even uploads from other websites just because it was easier to share. Like, I think one of the biggest things at first was a lot of new ground animations would get mm -hmm. re-uploaded to YouTube because it was easier to share it on YouTube than it was on Newgrounds. Badger, 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 mushroom, Bad mushroom. Yeah, or even like anything Home from- Star e Runner. Yeah. Even anybody, anything from Ego Raptor with his like awesomeness series. Right. Like, yeah, his videos were on Newgrounds and technically the quality on Newgrounds was a little better. But like, I can't share with my cousin the Newgrounds link, but I can share my YouTube video. Right, exactly. And I also feel like, and I don't know how this, how you feel about this, but I feel like 
viral videos back then when we were younger, there was such a genuine viral moment to them. Yes. It's not like they were planned around. It's not like it was a big label drop. It was just something that happened where, you know, some guy is lip syncing to Drago Diste. I butchered that song name. But the Numa Numa guy, Chocolate Numa Rain, Numa guy. These, these things that are just happening naturally and just suddenly everyone knows about it. Everyone's sharing it. Now I feel like you don't have that same sort of authenticity. It's a lot harder to come by nowadays because your attention is so divided amongst a million things. And this mm-hmm. website that... It's more of a that, strategy now. Yeah, this website that made its success in starting with viral videos, you can watch full length incredibly well-produced programs on the same website now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's such an evolution of the thing. But I think that's where the per- timing was perfect. You have this MySpace era of music. Uh, then you have YouTube with the accessibility and the ability to spread viral videos. And then a band who's making... Like, even when the song In A Million Ways, did you know the choreographer was the frontman singer, uh, sister? Yes. Yes, yeah. she continues on to direct um, to direct the choreography for this video, and then she comes back for their first single in the third album. Yeah, so this video drops on YouTube, not iFilm. No. In 2006, July 31st, 2006, featuring eight treadmills and arranged in two rows of four and alternating opposite directions, and with one, and this is another really cool thing, it's one continuous take. And I think you said yes. something interesting to me before. Like, you watch this video and you have this anxiety that one of them is going to fall, but they don't. Yes. I always thought, um, oh, that somebody's going to get hurt. Somebody's definitely going to get hurt. Now, um, this is some information from a behind-the-scenes film that was made that I could not find anywhere now. Um, which is what's kind of funny about the accessibility of sharing videos nowadays, because there are still some things you just can't possibly find, like this behind-the-scenes video that I remember watching when we were younger. Um, did you know that this is not a perfect take? Oh, no, I did not know that. Okay, so uh, we found I found out watching this video uh, years ago that at the point of making this music video, they were broke, it was hot, they were sweating. They were a part of a label that was not promoting their album. And they were just easily lost in the shuffle. So at this point, they invested so much into the treadmills and spending so much time on their outfits and the choreography that they needed one good take or else it was all going to fall apart. And there was one take where they thought that they were doing really, really well. And then halfway through, Damien Koulash trips while he's moving backwards. Oh, wow. And they were so upset. They felt so defeated that they were like, it's all over. OK Go is going to be no more. Like, they expected it to be the end of their time together. Wow. Yeah. And then they go home. And that night, Damien Koulash is like, just in that feeling of, well, screw it. If we're already done, then I'm just going to post the one that did the best. So he posts that video, and then the next morning, everything changes. Oh, yeah, because this this genuinely blew up. Like, it is... 
like, it, like I remember you even mentioning it when we were that age. Like, did you see this video? Like, I heard about it from you, and it was everywhere. Mm-hmm. It spread everywhere. Like, how many ref? Like, even I didn't realize this, but I looked up like references to this. The Simpsons did this. Fairly Odd Parents. The Fairly Odd Parents did this. I'm sure, like, even YouTube Rewind in their later years referenced this as, like, a piece of, like, their history. Right, and this is a moment where suddenly it clicks with everyone. Like, the power of using this video-sharing website as a marketing device, as a strategy. And it just happened to blow up with this band who had this wacky idea with treadmills. And then suddenly it starts getting duplicated on TV shows. People start doing it for talent shows. Oh, I was going to say, like, there's a compilation of just talent shows doing this, just recreations of this, animations of this. It's still, like... And also, I think another thing to point out, the long, the, the half-life of a viral video back then was a lot longer than a half-life of a video now. Totally. Like, um... The viral, I would say the last, one of the last viral hits of 2020 was Ice-T Man. Oh yeah, no, that's right. N- not Ice-T Man, what is it? Twisted T, no, Twisted T-Man. Oh, a I know, at, okay, we did talk about A man at 7-Eleven, man yes. at 7-Eleven wearing his mask like a respectable person. Right. Confronting a racist at 7-Eleven not wearing his mask and being a racist who he gets smacked the shit out of within a... <laughs> Twisted tea can. Right. And I love that it was Twisted Tea, a drink that I usually associate with like teenage, like white teenagers on Long Island getting drunk for the first time. And this man, th- the sound that had that impact was beautiful. <laughs> but again, like as fun and as notorious as that moment was, the Half-Life is since like over. Like I mentioned it and I already like, I couldn't even remember the name of the brand of iced tea. No, you're right. I... And once you said, oh, he was in a store with a twisted teapot, I was like, oh, now I remember this story. But that's how quickly things come and go now. Yeah. So they released this video. And honestly, had I not known already that he trips backwards halfway through it and he still tries to carry it on and they just keep going, you would think it's a perfect take. Yeah, I didn't even notice it at all. Yeah. So I was so happy to see this band that I like for doing quirky things and just having genuinely fun music suddenly become this huge viral sensation. I was very happy. And then as like the months continued, I thought, okay, well, they also have other good music too. And then it was just everywhere. It was all the time, like on The Simpsons and Fairly Odd Parents. That one's weird. Yeah. Fairly odd parents. Yeah. But it is also just a good song. And I do think that you can't listen to the song now and not think about treadmills. Yeah, that's actually a question I had because I do. The song is actually pretty good. But Mm -hmm. is the song the star of the show or is the video the star of the show and the song just happens to accompany it? I think it's the latter. I think it's more about the video than the song. Hmm. And I think it's a good song. I just think a lot of their other songs are good too. So 
Fair, because I I'm trying to think like would the because like the video works right, and the song is pretty good. But like I'm trying to think like I think you're right. It's the video, like the song accompanies the video. The video is what you were there for. Right. I think also the hype in the music video kind of brings out the fun in the song. Like mm -hmm. the beats after the bridge. They go like dunna 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 dunna. There's a point where Andy and Damien like salute to the camera, and I think that that sort of choreography is what enhances the excitement of the song. Yeah. But I definitely do not think that had the video been a normal music video, I don't think it would have gotten the same level of success. Oh no. Um. Because they obviously they have other videos, even another type of viral video where they, you know, the dance choreography. I think it was just a perfect mesh of everything. The video itself is quirky and unique enough where it's doing a choreographed dance on a tread on treadmills, mm -hmm. hitting a website that's starting to gain traction with mainly viral videos, and then just the easily accessible sharing feature. Like that's really right. where I think. Because, like, now you can share this, like, in email chains. You can share it. You could literally message this to somebody, and they're able to click a link and open it up. That did not exist necessarily before. And maybe it didn't exist with the previous website they used, iFilm. I don't know. It and even didn't... at the time, their record label wasn't prepared for this. No. Because suddenly you've got this video that everybody wants to share, but their record label refused to allow an embedding option for the music video. Are you serious? Yeah, so all they could do was send the YouTube link, which still worked in their favor. But think how much their views would have quadrupled, maybe, if the record label just let them embed the file. That's fascinating. So it, the in a weird way, the record label helped YouTube in the long run because everyone yes. was very reliant on just clicking that link. Yes, they helped YouTube and they hurt OKGO OK in the process. Yeah. But, I mean, that's early transition of digital marketing. Like, there's this weird conversation being had right now with YouTube and Twitch on music licensing and the benefits of sharing music versus, you know, the rights to hold the music. And it's insane. Like, if you hum a song on YouTube, mm -hmm. you can get a copy strike. Right. But then, like some platforms they just give away their music willy-nilly and like there's benefits to it there's proven benefits to having music more accessible it gets it out there it gets an audience it gets people to want to listen and buy you know Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. but like on our youtube channel courtney if we hum a song especially universal i think they're the worst with it like how dare we hum a song well we received quite a few emails about uh posting the twilight music episode did we? Yeah, we did. Oh, wait, let me check. Why yeah. did I not notice this? My brain is no good, Courtney. I'm so sorry. I don't know, but it, it might be something we want to consider for future episodes. I mean, I don't think it's see. a problem right now based on the countries that uh, had to block the copyright. Oh, yeah, here but, it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you find the stream of emails that we've been receiving? I did not notice the string of emails we got. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> It was blocked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We I love, it, received... it was blocked. It was blocked in Cuba, Iran, yes. North Korea, and Syria. Yes. I mean, three of these four countries. 
I'm okay with it not being. Apparently, like, those countries aren't allowed to hear music from the Twilight albums. That's fascinating. I know, I know. But um, just a reminder as we move forward into YouTube that this is probably something that we should think about. Yeah, well, because you know what it is? This isn't one of our YouTube main videos. This is the automatic upload from our Podbean. Exactly. So on Spotify, this is okay. But on YouTube, YouTube's like having a panic attack. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Maybe I should not have the automatic upload function and just do it on my own accord. Maybe. Maybe. Hmm. Or maybe do like a YouTube version of the episode if you feel so bold as to do that. But I think we should just be weary of it for the next time. That's fair. That's funny. It's not, it's blocked in Iran, North Korea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I think uh, we're okay. And even in regards to OK Go, if we ever had an issue with this episode, I feel like we could literally send a letter to Damien Kulash and he'd be like, don't worry, I'll write about this and I'll get us, I'll get this taken care of. Oh, that might help us. We should do this. Yeah. Controversy can lead to more views. I hate this. Yes. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're just here breaking all kinds of rules. We're just a bunch of rule breakers over here. At Remember so the many odds. rules are broken. Yeah. That's, I'm glad you mentioned that. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I wasn't sure a... if you were seeing them or not because you hadn't said anything. And I thought to myself, when am I going to mention this? And then you just so casually brought it up. And I was like, well, we should probably talk about this. I hold it as a badge of honor that we're banned in North Korea. Okay. <laughs> And Syria. That wasn't my, like, plan in life, but I'm glad that you're proud of it, so I will stand by you as well as your co-host. We here at Remember the Odds do not stand for the actions of North Korea. Yes. We are now banned in North Korea. And if we want to be banned in China, all I have to do is call the president Winnie the Pooh. Oh, yeah. They don't like that. No. Why don't they like that? He doesn't like it. Why doesn't he like that? Because I think it was a meme for a while that people compare in China compared him to Winnie the Pooh. Okay. So they just outlawed all of Winnie the Pooh. Aww. I like it's Winnie the Pooh. Insane, right? Yeah. It's just flat out, nope, no Winnie the... That's... I don't understand how people, I guess when you're at that level of power and narcissism, you don't recognize mm-hmm. the self-awareness to be like, people are going to look at this bad. Right. Because for empath, you know, empathetic, more grounded, you know, anxious people like ourselves, we would we would think that decision to death. Like, but it's not even a tough decision. It's like, if I ban a character because people joke with me about him, it's gonna look bad. Did I go too far with this? <sighs> Who knows? Did I push this a little too far? <laughs> I do like that all of the topics today are on the basis of internet virality. So we're yeah. all, there's no tangents in this episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's all interconnected. Um, and especially at this point, so they become viral mm-hmm. on YouTube. They start doing the performance in different places. And then, you know, they start getting into heat with their record label. Oh, yes. I want to hear these stories. they release... They, they begin working on their next album of the blue color of the sky, which is my favorite album. This 
is when Damien Coulash is going through a divorce with his first wife, um. and all of the music is very clearly about that, which is probably why I love it so much. Uh, it just feels like the music before, not that it was inauthentic, but it was just rock music. And I feel like this one comes from a genuine place of heartbreak. And um, I felt like I could relate to some of the songs like Needing Getting, which is a music video where they create the song with instruments laid out in a racetrack and the car hits different instruments as they go. Mm-hmm. it's about loving somebody who is just because you love them doesn't mean they're not going to let you down oh, and wow. it's, yeah, a, that's a, it's such a good song that's a very deep theme that i appreciate yeah it's one of my favorite songs and so they start releasing new music videos they start working with companies that are willing to put money into making these videos with them. Suddenly Damien Coulash is becoming this idea with this idea man. And he's also kind of an artist. He wants to make these videos. He wants to get that funding from these big companies. But then once again, the record label doesn't want them sharing the rights to the song, embedding the, the videos into other pages. So they're still barring them from what they're fully capable of and also barring them from having more success at that point. So I think that's why even after the success of Here It Goes Again, we stop hearing from them collectively in the mainstream and it's all because of their label. Wow, that's insane. So after some very long-winded letters on the OKGO band website, which is a .net, (laughs) it's OKGO.net, Nice. The letter went viral and was getting reprinted on websites and being seen as like required reading on Boing Boing. That's when the record label was like, okay, shit, they brought too much attention to this. And they cut ties from that record label. Wow. Maybe in their own independent label called Karakadoot. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm glad that they were able to finally do that and then naturally once they're done being a part of that they release their fourth album and that is when they finally receive mainstream success again with i won't let you down okay cool yeah but it takes eight years between here it goes again and i won't let you down for them to reach that level of success again that's fascinating i didn't know that story Mm mm-hmm Interesting. I'm glad you got the band side of the history. That's really because it all ties in. But I just I wasn't as familiar with the band. I feel bad for the band because I think that they are genuinely very smart artists. They do a lot of work with engineering and how to push forward internet and art making. And I think also their music is very raw at, at this point after they make once they start making the third album, it is coming from a very genuine place of very real experiences. And nobody is around to see it because they've just sort of like left the zeitgeist that they started with, with Here It Goes Again. They had all this attention. And then when they start making something that's more authentic and they start pushing boundaries, that is when none of us are able to hear from them again. That's crazy. Yeah. And also, I said this before, and I'll say it again. Their concerts are so much fucking fun. They start the show every single time with 
like it's it's quiet you're waiting you're like when are they going to show up and then a big screen drops and they just collectively put all of these videos together from movies tv shows other music videos saying okay 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 and then they go 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 and then it ends with kermit the frog saying ladies and gentlemen it's time to introduce to you okay go and then they come out and they continue to use the screen for the rest of the show they put like a gopro camera on damien Kulash's microphone so you're watching his face and they're distorting it on the screen that's awesome and they just that's also fun. just yeah it's a lot of fun they answer questions in between songs it's just a good time like most people bring their kids with them that's great because they're safe and it's just fun. It's just a very interactive experience. Yeah, they do a lot of really innovative work. They've won awards for their Zero Gravity music video. And I just really like what they're doing. And I think it's kind of sad that they don't always get a lot of attention for it. But at the same time, I think that's always the way it's going to go. Yeah. Yeah. But they're still doing well. Yeah. And I think that like even though the, the, the meme is long done, the moment you hear the song, it is a jam. Like people jam out to it, the meme comes back, everyone remembers. Well actually that's a good question and we'll ask mm-hmm. the zoomers, do you know this song and do you know this video? Because I'm very interested to know it because viral back then, like we said, is not viral today. And that's the thing too. I I don't know how you felt going back and watching this music video, but it had been so long now that when I went back to watch the music video itself, I couldn't feel that same sense of excitement that here's this new fresh thing because it had already happened. Wow. You know, it, it, yeah. it's like I could go back and watch the video and be like, huh, this was fun, but it didn't have that same surprise and shock that it did yeah. when, we, when it first came out. It gave me nostalgia because, like, this was viral back then. Like, we can do a whole episode on just early viral hits. Like, we had Numa Numa, Chocolate Rain. Like, even in a weird way, like, resurgence of old media. Like, the fact Mm -hmm. that Rickrolling became a thing. Right. It's so fascinating to see. Yeah. I know that's not what the Rickroll was, but I just... Remember that that was also a thing, was just shouting Rick Ross. Yeah, like one take, because that's that's the thing about it. You didn't have to be a video expert to make something spectacular. Like the choreographed dance moves, the one take adds to the whole, like, this is an authentic video. Mm -hmm. And then how many, like, how many wedding videos went viral? Like big elaborate dances and like, or like the whole, like, I, I forgot the name of the video and it used the Bruno Mars song, but it was genuinely sweet. It was like, I don't know if it was a proposal, but like this whole choreographed thing from the back of a car, the car was moving, the tape was playing and the, like all of his friends and family did this big thing, but like there's this authenticity to it. And unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, it's just due to the nature of how saturated the viral market is. Things like mm-hmm. this don't necessarily gain as much of attraction as they used to. Right. And I'm trying to remember even there was a viral video of 
a couple dancing for a wedding and then that's how they ended up adding that to the office yeah because was but even in the office wasn't it a joke like oh this is overdone with by now right and they had said um i think it's pam's maid of honor said i i know you didn't want to do this because of the video and pam says i know you just want to go out there just go do it and then her maid of honor says okay i'm gonna go out there and dance and at that point it was just very clear that the office was doing it because they wanted to be a part of this viral thing that had already happened oh yeah yeah now that's also that goes to the half-life of old viral memes like like technically they were already done by the point that a tv show gets onto it but the right. half-life is long enough that even though it is on its way out it's still relevant right and now you go back and watch that episode of the office and i think of all the young people who spend so much time watching the office on netflix and there's no connection to that video at all no so i am curious to see what will happen when we have a couple of Gen Z kids watch the Here It Goes Again music video. Yes. Um, I also just really appreciate that in about 90% of the music videos, Tim Norwind, the bassist, is the one lip syncing to the singing. And, yeah, they, make, they don't yeah. use... The front man's not the center of the video. No, which I like. Yeah. I like that he lets Tim Norwind come off as the front man and they do that in a million ways and it led me to believe that tim norwin was the lead singer of the band hmm. so i i appreciate that i feel like there's a lot of teamwork but also it's very clear that uh damien Kulash has a lot of ideas but they all work together on making that happen oh yeah so i think we've talked about the video quite a bit i think we've mm -hmm. got our bases covered yeah, Did you want to so. ask the question if it would hold up or? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Tom. Yes. If this was released today in 2021, do you think that the music video for Here It Goes Again would be as successful today as it was in 2006? I hate to say it, and it's not because of any doubt or detriment to the video itself, mm -hmm. but I think because it's, it would not have the same level of success main, strictly because of the virality half-life and just the super saturated market for video content. It mm -hmm. does. It would doesn't have the same appeal. It came. It came out like we. I touched on it briefly, but like, what separates something like YouTube from a website like Vimeo? And I know all the filmmaker friends are gonna. You know, they they'll talk. They'll defend Vimeo and. They only swear by Vimeo and they only share their movies from Vimeo. But it's Vimeo like Vimeo is for professional filmmakers. Vimeo yeah. is the LinkedIn of YouTube. Yeah, it 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 is it's it is. It's the LinkedIn of YouTube. Because at the end of the day, what YouTube got right was the accessibility to everyone. Like the right. fact that you can sh like that's what always kind of bothered me about Vimeo. Because like I started on YouTube. Like at, I think around 2006, because my account, my old account, the one I don't use anymore, is literally like pre-Google account. Is that the one with all the short films in it? Mm-hmm. Oh boy, I remember those days. So it's like, what I was drawn to YouTube for was, I, I just wanted, like, I would 
scour, like I said, I would scour the internet, like Evom's World, Newgrounds, Albino Black Sheep. But one of my main interests was finding creepy videos and short horror films. And YouTube was all of a sudden a place where all that content was being uploaded. And I would scour it. It was so accessible. It was friendly. It was free. <laughs> like, yeah, free. Yeah. And I didn't know about Vimeo until much later on. But it's like people who promote their videos from Vimeo only talk about it as if like, in order for it to be legit, it has to be on Vimeo. And it's like, not really. It's just a video sharing website. Like, I would get the point back in the day, because early Vimeo versus early YouTube, the difference being Vimeo's aim was to make the content high quality, which requires more bandwidth. And mm -hmm. even to upload now to Vimeo, you have to be a paying customer. You don't have to pay to upload anything to YouTube. But I think that's what I miss about YouTube. I miss the days when it was just, hey, I uploaded that video of us doing stupid shit in the 7-Eleven parking lot. Yeah. I mean, you could still do that. I mean, it just, it won't be noticed. But at least to this day, YouTube, you don't have to pay for YouTube to upload a video. It won't be if noticed, I but also in the same way that you're you're watching YouTube now for curated content. Yeah, true with setups and lighting and nice cameras to the point that if you see that video where you just uploaded some dumb shit from 7-Eleven parking lot, you're going to be like, oh, don't watch this. It's just some idiot at a 7-Eleven parking lot. That's true, yeah. You know, it, it's I mean, kind of created this disparity in the content and the user-only yeah, ability of it. That is true. Yeah. But I think even like especially with old youtube that's what made this video the okay video work is that it was True. very very accessible very shareable easy to access you didn't have to go through a paywall vimeo is very much like and i i don't have any hate for it it's a video sharing website i've uploaded videos to vimeo but it's like when i share something i made with people am i sharing the vimeo link or the youtube link mm -hmm. i'd rather just send them the youtube link because at the end of the day for me the accessibility of it is more important than the prestige image of where it's being put. Sure. V Vimeo you... is your LinkedIn resume, you know? Mm-hmm. But I think that, I think you're on to something. I think that what makes the OKGO OK video so special is it is, it feels like you were there. I remember it being super hot that summer and you can see it in the poor color quality of their video and the colors that they're dressed in are very odds. These like bright pink orangey pants. Oh, I love those pants. I love those pants. And you know, it, it feels almost intimate in a way because it is just anything anybody could have uploaded. I think that had it just come out now, I think it would still be excited for how pure it is. Oh, it's just this band dancing on treadmills. But I think that the video quality would have to be very different. I think that the music would probably be completely different because that music is so of the 2000s. And I don't think that it would last, like the notoriety of it would last as long as this did. It really had staying power back then. Oh yeah, the half-life for virality would... I, the, I could see the song maybe still succeeding, but it wouldn't succeed virality. It would succeed by hitting a demographic, like being 
this type of rock band hitting this kind of audience. Mm-hmm. Like, I imagine, like, it would gain a substantial, like, not a huge viral hit, but, like, this, like, the substantial following of a band like Turnover or something like that, where, like, part of the fun is this, especially with the video being, like, retrograded, smaller aspect ratio, lower quality. It would have that type of audience, but it would not have the success it did when it first came out. Right. And it is interesting to me how over time we've seen people do these impressive mainstream things with music videos like um, Taylor Swift releasing a documentary of performing folklore or Beyonce's Lemonade. And although OK Go continues to push themselves and the projects that they do, it, it still seems like even though their budget's bigger, they're just not fitting into that same contender as a Taylor Swift video or a Beyonce video. And I think that that's part of it is they're always just going to be a little bit outside of it. Oh, yeah. So what's your take? Oh, I think you did answer it. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. I have my brain slipped for a second. No, it's okay. Um, Should we do weekly obsessions? Yes. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Tom. Yes. What is your weekly obsession, Ben? Hmm. It's hard because I finished Dragon Ball Super. Yes. I finished <laughs> I Dragon Ball it. Super. Dragon Ball Super has been your obsession for a, a few now. I'm finished with it and now I'm sad because there's no more Dragon Ball Super. Although, I'm re-watching Trigun. Oh! Which is fun. I haven't watched it in many years and that's a fantastic nice. anime. A sweet little 26 episode anime. And I guess I was watching Sabrina, but last night's episode pissed me off a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah. You have every right to um, feel that way. After I kind of divulged the exhausting night that I had, um, I did remember your text message. And I think you're right for having your qualms with it. My problem with Sabrina, the show... Your qualms are valid. My, I think all the... It's... It, the show Sabrina, for anyone who's not aware, revitalized Netflix series based on the original, well, not the original show, but based on the the comic strip series from, you know, the Archie Andrews comic, you know, whole Riverdale universe, whatever. But it borders, a, it it's, it's literally on the line where half the time it's genuinely good and progressive, but then it often falls into cringy, force virtue signaling and missing the point and it's constantly riding that line and it does things right like carefully balancing and respecting a trans character but mm-hmm. then it does ham-fisted like weird virtue signaling feminist moments where it's like mm-hmm. i don't get this i feel like also as far as aesthetic goes they have moments that are good that kind of give into the pulpy campiness of what they've created. But then there are other moments where they're trying to shove the style down your throat that it loses all plot and context of being an actual show. It also, because it's dealing with Satanism and occultism and religion, it doesn't have actual rules. Like it keeps breaking and twisting the, the rules. Like, they worship in the first season they all worship satan but then they don't worship satan now they worship the triple goddess 
but then also in the last season, the the main villains were the pagans. So it's like, oh, so but I don't. Who under, are we mad like, at? It's here? just if the villain, and this is what bothered me a little bit. If the villains of the last season were the pagans, mm-hmm. which doesn't make sense because now they're worshiping the triple goddess, which is arguably a pagan figure. But isn't that? Yeah, I was going to say, isn't that like a pagan pastime? Yes, but I guess because the whole thing is that for the most part, the show deals with Anglo-Christian deities and Anglo-Christianity. So when the main villain of the last season is the pagans and you don't have established rules of your universe, it's kind of sending this weird trippy message that the good guys are the Anglo-Christians and the bad guys are the dirty dirty grass people who worship other gods oh that's confusing yeah and it's like and it's also the same show that's tackling gender identity in a fairly progressive manner but then like it's like it's so confusing it should it's such a fucking mess and then i know that like i've had so many quorums with the show but i keep watching anyway but for some reason last night got to me it was so dumb but i think it was because it's so I understand with everything else, it's hard to manage. Like if you're, if you're just like a very woke person writing a show about Satanism, I can understand you missing the point and not actually understanding occultism and just going by name alone, you know, like you're just, what's a cool name? I'll grab this cool name and not give it its context. But then it's like, the show's trying to be edgy and different and alternative, but it's like, a band shows up in, in in Greendale. A band shows up. They are all dressed. They're like street, like stereotypical street, you know, anarchy punks. They've got the studded leather jackets, like all totally studded, eyeliner, and dyed haired foot mohawks. Like they are like a stereotype of a punk. They come into Greendale and they're like, we are satanic panic and we're a heavy metal band. And I'm like, no, you're not. No. Like, how do you uh-uh. miss the level of detail that poorly? Like, no. Operation only... Ivy would be more closer to the kind of music or the kind of band that would be playing with that style than heavy metal. And it bothers me because it's like they they exaggerate. They they really draw out the word. They're like heavy metal. It's like, listen. <laughs> first of all, yeah. If you're a metal band, just say you're a fucking metal band. Like, when you say, like, saying heavy metal makes me think of, like, old-timey-wimey heavy metal. Like, back in my day, you know? Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, Jesus, this band, this whole show misses the point and doesn't understand what it's doing. It's like, don't dress up a bunch of punk kids and be like, we're a metal band. Especially since, like, the band was supposed to be from the 80s and they're brought back from the dead. In the 80s, Ugh. if you dress like that and call yourself a metal band... You, that fights would be had over that like this totally, is how serious totally. like hardcore punk kids would not accept that at all like it's so it's a show that's fun but miss it, it's it's just maybe it's trying to tackle too many things at once so therefore it's bound to miss the point like half the time that's exactly what i mean by like having some pulpiness and camp to the like genre like obviously it's a show that's supposed to be set in a pre-existing universe but it has to deal with satan so it's already a little ridiculous that's fine but then when you get so into the pulp and the ridiculousness of the idea that you just start picking and plucking and appropriating 
all of these other things that have pre-existed just to make it as ridiculous as you possibly can, then it's too much, you know, then there's too much happening and none of it really fits any of it. Like as much criticism that I have for Supernatural, at least they commit to what story they're telling. Yeah, and in Supernatural, yeah. the rules are established. Like, they exist in right. this universe. Right, there is a narrative. Yeah, yeah, they know the rules. Like, they establish the type of supernatural threat they're dealing with, and it's, like, established. And Sabrina, it's more so like, hey, isn't Beelzebub a cool name? And then they throw him in right. the show, and it's like, what is this? Right. And then they're just like, well, here's some dark lipstick, but here's some other dark lipstick. And it's like and... the first season wasn't as bad because I think it was just a very straightforward plot. Like Sabrina, mm -hmm. has she's going to turn 16 and she's going to become a witch, but she doesn't want to leave her friends. Like that's a very simple, straightforward plot. Now we're dealing with extra, you know, elder, eldritch terrors, other gods, other deities, other worlds, other universes, metal bands, punk. It's just like you guys... Trans yeah. identity, feminism, new wave feminism, liberal feminism. It's just so... It's I like... think that's why... Same thing with Tina Fey is like just because you have ideas for how ridiculous it can get doesn't mean you should enact all of them. Because half of them are going to miss the point. Right. Because when you get to Kimmy Schmidt in the fourth season and her purple Jansport backpack is suddenly a puppet that's talking to her, I'm done. Yeah, that's a little much. Yeah, yeah. And same thing with Sabrina. First season, it's on that line. Good. It can walk that line. It can try to balance and make a couple of mistakes here and there. But when you just completely forgo the line and you're just running around in circles, who's going to be into that? I don't know. I know. So, yeah. You know what I forgot about punk? That What's was that? like an actually historical thing. I think I try to block it out of my mind. Was just how freely they were piercing themselves with safety pins in places that should not be pierced. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. cheeks. Yep. With oh, it's like just the thought of it. I yeah, think that's I a thing that. that people try to forget about that's pop fair. culture. Yeah. I think. Okay, I lost my fear of needles for a while, and it was going really, really well. And then I think with all of the footage of people getting vaccinated, <laughs> which I'm fine with. I'm so yeah. happy for people getting vaccinated. They should get vaccinated. It's just, there's only so much footage I can see of people getting shots injected into their arm. Fair. That it, it brought it all back. That's totally fair. They say that over-immersion should you know, cleanse you of a phobia, but actually it just brought it all back for me. That's totally fair. I've seen enough footage of like needles in places all the time now that I'm like, okay, we're done with this. I I'm I get it. I don't need the proof that you're getting the vaccine. I just need to hear you say you got the vaccine. That's fair. So um what has been my weekly obsession? You know I had one and now I don't remember what that is. I'm going to say Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. I'm glad it's back. Okay. I enjoy musical shows. It's very parallel to what's happening in my life. I mean, granted, I'm not a coder, but um, I think P Peter Gallagher's performance in it is amazing. I don't know why he hasn't been nominated for it, because he's doing a fantastic job. Um, 
but I do love shows that just break out into songs. I think that the way that they approach it is really smart. And I just love the sort of almost Disney colorful lifestyle of San Francisco that they create in the show. And Jane Levy has a terrific singing voice. So that's a lot that's of fun. That's awesome. Yeah. So I'm going to say if you just want something that is like heart wrenching, but also adorable, watch Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. All right. Nice. Yeah. I wasn't planning on liking it and I fell in love with it. So that's my obsession. Nice. Okay. So now I'm going to open the trends, the emerging trends. I have an idea of where this song is going to go on it because I, I know the song but I'm still just going to bring out the lyrics anyways, and we can repeat some of them. Okay. I also have a hard time saying these lyrics without getting into the song, same way that I did with Knights of Sidonia. Okay. I have my Emerging Trends document open. Okay. Let's add... Oh, the last one we did was Miss Murder. Really? Wow. It's been a while. Because it was like, either we address every single Twilight song that we've talked about, or we just forego it. And I think we made the right choice. I'm trying to think of where to start. Oh, also, they mentioned my favorite Pixies album in this song, Surfer Rosa. Yes. It could be ten, but then again, I can't remember half an hour since a quarter to four. Throw on... Oh, nope. I messed that up. Throw all on your clothes the second side of Surfer Rosa, and you leave me with my jaw on the floor. Hey! Oh, just when you think you're in control, just when you think you've got a hold, just when you get on a roll, oh, here it goes, here it goes, here it goes again. Oh, here it goes again. I should have known, should have known, should have known again. But here it goes again. Oh, oh, here it goes again. Starts out easy, something simple, something sleazy, something itching past the edge of the reserve. Now through the lines of the cheap Venetian blinds, your car is pulling off of the curb. Hey. Hmm. What do you yeah. take from it? Um, I think overall it's supposed to be a song about heartbreak. I think out of context of the music, it's harder to read the lyrics as such. But I mean, even with the third verse, I guess there's got to be a break in the monotony. But Jesus, when it rains, how it pours. They're on your clothes, the second side of Surfer Rosa, and you leave me. Yeah, you leave me. I think I it's supposed like, to be a, a breakup. Or like something I had read and I think has been sticking on mine, the idea that... Something casual turns into something much more, and it's like the heartbreak comes with that, like somebody falling for somebody after a casual affair. I don't mm -hmm. know. Something like that. Yeah, I think it's about a couple that keeps fighting and breaking up and then getting back together. Yeah, something like that. And it just turns it into a very fun song. Hmm. Because of how frequently the singer is talking about you leave me, you throw on all your clothes, and you take this side of the album, here it goes again, like, oh, we're gonna do this again, we're gonna fight this again, 
Oh, then then it has to only be one category. It has to be mutual or self-assured destruction in love. I think so. I think yeah. some of the words could lead to like non-conformity, but I think at the end of the day, I think it's about a very tumultuous relationship. Okay, that's where I think it should go. Okay, here we are. One for mutual or self-assured destruction in love. Wonderful. Yeah. It doesn't seem like a good relationship. No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. So I'll wrap it up here. Yeah. Okay. Right, ready, ready. Mentally preparing for this. Mentally preparing for the outro, guys. This is a big step. Ta-da. What's it going to be this time? What's it going to be this time? Am I coming in? Am I coming? And that is the show, folks. Zip! We hope you enjoyed our conversation about OK Go, Zoom, viral videos, Zang, YouTube, Boom Bop, my disdain for people who love Vimeo. Not disdain. I don't want to say don't. I love everybody. I'm just, I don't like elitism. I know. What would be a better word for it is your gripe. I mean, I feel like that sounds more aggressive, but at the same time, it's still like less uh powerful as disdain it it grinds my gears yeah yeah it grinds my gears but with that everybody thank you so much for tuning in hope you enjoyed but be sure to follow and like us and listen to us on the spotify yep on the google on the amazon on the itunes on the youtube and where most podcasts can be found podbean also, like and follow us on Instagram at Remember the Zero Zero S Podcast. I think yeah. we lost cord. Oh, there. <laughs> I, no. <laughs> I just thought about it. I, I got hungry all of a sudden. <laughs> Very reasonable. All right, guys. Eating is important, so go eat. Yeah, I'll, I might order some sushi or something. <gasps> mm-hmm. All right. Well, with that, guys, have a good tune in to next one. I guess you could say tune it in. To the next uh, one. Uh, everybody hates this podcast now. Salmonella later. <laughs> yes. Okay. Bye, guys. Bye. Hmm. <laughs> Who thought walking could be so difficult? Well, I'm sure everyone else is having trouble too. Here it goes. Here it goes.